BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is High Level Wisdom for New Generation Leaders. We interview senior-level baby boomers who share their stories, insights, and how-tos for the emerging leadership of millennials. Our mission is to celebrate their accomplishments in aid of preserving their business knowledge. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Are you having trouble getting your current executive leadership and your emerging leadership on the same page? Wouldn't you like to be able to close the knowledge gap and more importantly, preserve that institutional knowledge? Well, you and I can work together. High Level Wisdom Workshop is a one day workshop that's a high intense, high impact, fun and exciting way in order to bring both groups together to be able to learn about team dynamics, communication and more importantly, preserving the institutional knowledge inside of your company. For more information, send me an email, chris at highlevelwisdom.com, or you can visit our website, highlevelwisdom.com forward slash about us. Have you noticed that your marketing team and technology team have no time to talk to each other? More importantly, they're not able to focus on the future. And wouldn't it be great to be able to have a few people come in, help you make fortunate discoveries that you can activate immediately? Insert Serendipity Interactive. At Serendipity Interactive, we bring strategy to life by helping executives make fortunate discoveries for their business by focusing on the future while they maintain the present. Are you ready to make your own fortunate discovery? Visit serendipityinteractive.com for more information and tell them Chris sent you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of our show. I am your host, Chris Williams. Thank you guys so much for listening. Now, I hope that you had an opportunity to listen to the first half of my interview with Todd Cochran. He's the CEO of Raw Voice, the CEO of Blueberry, the CEO of name it. And he's probably owned it, but he's a very well thoughtful man, uh, someone who does a lot uh, in the world of podcasting. He's definitely one of what I would consider the architects based on his history and how long he's been around this world. But he allows and built a program and a process and a system and a company that allows you as our audience to hear shows like mine. And so it was gracious enough to him to be able to provide me time with him in order to be able to dive into the conversation we care about millennials and baby boomers and the knowledge gap and understanding all of the nuances. And he has a very interesting perspective. So take a listen to part two of my interview with Todd Cochran, the CEO of Raw Voice. So then let me ask you a question. Um, 
Well, what do you think are some misconceptions about being a baby boomer and being at the helm of an organization as a baby boomer that, you know, are kind of unique to, to, to what you see and some things that you might want to speak to just as far as misconceptions? Oh, misconceptions. Um, I, I don't like to look at misconceptions. I like to set the example. So, wow, that's good. Uh, well, you know, okay, I'm first in, I'm last out in the office, right? Um, why do I do that? I set the example. Did I Have I earned the reward to be able to go home early? Sure, but do I? No. Is that a – do, do, do boomers question why are you hanging out? Um, it's not because we want oversight. It's because we want to set the example that, you know, we're working and it's harder, harder than they are. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's a universal thing. I don't know. But as a boomer, we do what it takes to get things done. Um, even if it means putting in the time, I don't know, millennials, mis I think millennials also think that we're probably not as well educated and maybe that's true um but nothing nothing replaces life experience wow that's true you know i look at i look at i look at myself when i was 25 and i look at what i know now and i think man if i look back at myself i say man you are an idiot <laughs> <laughs> you know if you really look back at where you came from and where you are now you're like and, you, and the only way you can understand that is that perspective changes with time you can't tell a 25 year old that they're an idiot right. They'll figure it out when they're 50, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have a... Because we're all... There. Exactly. But you have a unique perspective. And this is the reason why I like interviewing CEO Baby Boomers. So to your point, right, you you were in the military. So, so yeah. there's a... And you were in the military, let's just be honest, at a very critical time in the world. Like this wasn't, this wasn't just, you were in the military, nothing was going on and everybody, it was all daisies. No, there was, there was, a, there was, the world was kind of in this very unique space that really shaped for where we are in 2017. Right. So how would you even yeah. say what was happening globally and being in the military really shaped how you came out on the other side? Like what were those things that were going on in the world at that time? Just give our audience some of that perspective, because I don't like to lose sight of some of these things that you as a baby boomer saw and dealt with and what was going on in the world globally really had an impact on how baby boomers showed up to work, uh, raised their kids, you know, led their families. What were some of those things that were going on at that time? And just kind of speak to how it shaped who you ended up being today. Well, let's just remember, I was, I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers, but I came from a family that was, we worked hard. We had to work hard. If we didn't work hard, we starved. So, um, you know, putting food on the table was, was number one. Um, my goal wasn't necessarily to have the white picket fence in house. I wasn't so worried about the materialistic thing. It was more about surviving and, and uh, you know, keeping the family fed. So in, in the early days, um, and my perspective obviously was different too because I was in the military and traveling overseas. But I think the thing that had the biggest impact on me from a perspective is is if you haven't traveled outside the United States, we all like to whine and cry about how bad it is. Um, you go to Pakistan or you go to India or you go to some of the poor spots in the Philippines. Um, that changes your perspective on life. We've got it pretty doggone good. 
so from me, um, you know, I saw the poverty and I saw how how the opportunities. But you know, why do why do people that come to this country from countries succeed? You know, you often see that they're owning businesses because they had absolutely that there there would not have been possible where they lived before. Right. So I think from that perspective, I understand why a lot of people that come to this country as immigrants do so well um, just because of the opportunities we have here. And it made me realize that, uh, you know, this merry-go-round goes around once. <laughs> and, uh, For sure. you know, you better, you, you, you know, you take, not take, you do what you can to make the world better. And at the same time, you, you work to succeed and build a business or, you know, build your career. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that shape my perspective. Having a life event where, you know, basically almost ended up in a wheelchair can change your perspective a lot. Um, everyone's shaped by their environment. But I think if people get an opportunity to travel and, and get outside the United States a little bit and see the rest of the world, it'll give them some better perspective of what's going on in the, in the rest of the world. Um, you know, and also, you know, I was involved in right after 9-11, you know, things changed for me dramatically. Exactly. I went from a peacetime military to, you know, being on an airplane and having a uh, surface air missile shot at me. So, you know, that was a whole different ball game then. And, you know, you write the letter to your wife that, uh, you hope is never delivered. So, you know, that is the type of perspective I had for a few wow. years wow. as well. So, wow. uh, yeah, you know, do do that. Write a write a goodbye letter to your family and kids, and you, when you don't have to, I mean, your mother's holding that, you know, and you pray she never has to give that to the family. But um, you come back and you think, man, I, you know, there is no reason why you can't succeed when you face all kinds of adversity. So I think that's why you find veterans being so successful in companies too. So. I don't know if I've answered your question. No, you you have, and and I. What I like about it is, again, I like to ensure that my audience understands that when I'm talking to CEOs like yourself, especially who has such a unique background, there's something that has shaped uh, your view and the reason why you're successful. And it's things that I like to unlock for our millennial audience, as well as the other executives to be able to share. So thank you for sharing that, because I know that's definitely deeply personal, but more importantly, it's important knowledge for, you know, our millennial audience to listen to and to know that there was there was a time. Let's put it that way. Right. There was a there was definitely a, a, a different world um, that you saw that has really, you know, kind of led to you being uh, who you who you've become today. And so when I think about all of that, how how have how has some of that helped you? Um, in engaging and and building rapport and and building a a real lasting relationship with with those from the millennial generation. Well, I look for millennials that emulate um, values. So when, when I interview someone, knowledge is important. But having a personality and being able to come into a company and um, integrate is important because you set a certain culture level. And I've been very, very lucky. I have a very diverse team uh, here, 
and uh, we didn't set out to be diverse. We got lucky. Um, and we weren't even thinking about diversity in the beginning, but we got lucky and had this hugely diverse team. But what I really look for is the hunger. I want someone that's hungry, wants to work, wants to succeed as much as I do. And when I find those people, even if their education may not be as, as strong as the other candidates, they're going to get hired first. Um, and you can just see it in some people. You, you know, you walk into an interview and uh, you want to own the world. Uh, I want you on my team um, because I know that you're going to, you know, you're going to want to work hard, move up, be a stroker. Uh, that to me is, you know, way I look at, at the millennials a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's still keep my ear opening and listening to their ideas and their concerns and um, some of it may not be 100%. Well, they just don't have that experience yet, but sometimes you, you, there's some gold nuggets that come out of those ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you think about all of the people you've interacted with, whether it was from the military, your personal family, uh, coming out of the military, the people you worked for, the people you worked alongside, the, the starting your company, the people you now work with. What's some of the best advice you've gotten, you know, that maybe didn't make sense then, but man, it paid off, <laughs> you know, later down the road. Well, have you ever seen Plato thrown at the wall? Yes, I have. <laughs> Plato, sometimes, sometimes it'll stick, right? And sometimes it'll stay there forever. And sometimes the Plato just peels off and falls on the floor. <laughs> so, or it's like a spitball, right. right? So, um, some of the ideas that you're going to throw up in a business um, and are going to be great ones and they're going to stick and they're going to go on to prosper. But those ideas that you throw up there that are maybe you think is a good idea um, but turn out to not be such a good idea, you got to be willing to scrap that. You need to be willing to throw that idea in the trash can and move on. So the, the thing is always be you know, if, if, when, if you're a millennial, if you have an idea and you think it's going to do good and you, you, you toss it up there and then it's, you know, two months in, you're like, oh, man, uh, you know, don't be afraid to admit that that was a bad idea. Let's scrap it and, and move on. So I think a lot of companies, uh, they are, they get scope locked. And when you get scope locked, oh, my God, you're done. Wow. Uh, you know, do not... Well, there's, you know, we spent uh, five months on a, on a idea and uh, put it up, and the response was, oh, horrendous. And I'm like, okay, shelve it. Let's move on. And we're like, shelve it? We're not going to try it. And I said, no, it, wasn't, <laughs> it, it didn't work out. Let's go. Let's, don't waste time on it. Um, and what we found is some of those ideas that we shelved, Five years later, we come back and say, "It's time for that now. Let's bring that out of let's not bring that out of the dust balls, and let's, you know, let's polish it up and put it back online." So sometimes you're way too ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Apple is always guilty of that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, they introduce things, and it's like the world is like, "What?" And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Yes, we were so glad. We don't know what we would do without this thing." Um, there, there. I, I even heard that actually. Uh, I watched a um a piece with um uh Mr. Ivy himself, and um he mentioned that when they came up with the earbud. 
they were four years ahead of the technology being good enough and small enough at a high quality enough for it to actually work. So it was just sitting there. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that is got to be one of the most frustrating things to know that this is something that, you know, <laughs> you, you know, eventually somewhere, but you're waiting on technology to catch up. Uh, as an inventor, or, or worse, you get the idea and you didn't launch it, and someone else launches something, and becomes successful. Oh yes, then that's the head. Yes. Like, oh. <laughs> Absolutely, you're like, why didn't I do this? What was the issue? Um, and I think that's the game you play as an entrepreneur, right? I think that's the fun of it. That's kind yeah. of the life of of being an entrepreneur. So, with our last few minutes here, I want to I want to shift gears. I I want to get into the future brain of yours as a CEO. So let's let's talk about this. In the next 10 years, where do you see podcasting being in the realm of media? Oh, well, based on the previous 10 years and considering that I thought we would be a lot further ahead than where we're at, um, there's good and bad. Uh, number one, consuming the media is you're going to be able to get it anywhere just like you do now. Uh there is going to be some winners and some losers. There's a lot of companies out there that are um, trying to break in this space and, and they are not going to be successful in it. The advertising piece is probably the biggest thing is at risk. Um, media buyers are always looking to drive prices down. We've been very fortunate that we've been able to demand a premium on advertising right now. But there's already signs that based on some of the technology inputs that companies that have huge volume are going to be able to survive the lower dollar amounts that are being offered for advertising deals. So the independent content creator, my advice right now at this point is, is with the what looks at least my crystal ball, what I'm seeing ahead in the podcasting space is as an independent content creator, you need to be tying your show to your business to your own product line, to services, to um, promotional materials, to fan base, Patreon type support. And if advertising comes in and can support your show financially in addition to, then you're going to be ahead of the game. But those other tenets of um, being able to monetize uh, the podcast is important. Not all shows want to monetize. Not all shows can monetize. So it depends on your goals of your of the content. So far as the you know, we're gonna have creators. You know, you know, my kid I have a thirteen year old who's going through a, a special class at his high school special track program and he's gonna come out with uh, the ability to, to make a TV and mini shorts and uh commercials and that kind of stuff. So, you know, for him the future is bright and being able to have these skills to be a, to be a creator, I think uh, the opportunity for individuals that are in their bedroom wanting to create content will never end. Uh, but if the trajectory stays the same, we're going to have a continued steady growth of the podcasting space. But we do have to bring more money into it. So, um, And I mean like they're projecting $220 million this year in advertising dollars being spent. Uh, we need that to be at a billion, billion and a half. Uh, that's, where it, that's where I thought we'd already be. So 10 years, maybe we'll get to a billion, billion and a half. And when we do, um, that'll be a game changer in that the radio folks are going to start having budget taken away. 
So they're going to be bringing their talents to bear. You know, the space is going to change, but there's always going to be the opportunity for the independent content creator that wants to create a show to talk about his passion. You'll be able to do that. Podcasting's here to stay. It just depends on where the space grows monetarily, I guess, um, at this point. Uh, you know, we're always looking out at the crystal ball trying to figure out what we're going to do for development to keep advancing the space. And, um, and we have a lot of ideas, some I can't share here, but it's, uh, I think it's a, it's going to be a good future for podcasts. Absolutely. And so last question I'll ask you is, is when you think about, uh, you as a CEO and the company that you've built raw voice as a whole blueberry and, and where you're looking to go, what would be like the one thing that, you know, as a CEO, you say, man, if we achieve that thing, I'll feel like I've done something and put a dent in this world. What would that be for you as a CEO? Well, I've almost kind of already achieved that. In the early days, we went shopping Silicon Valley looking for money for the company. And um, basically to a person, I was told, I'm too old. Uh, you have to move to Silicon Valley. You need our guidance and you won't survive. Well, all the companies that got rounds they got cash. They're gone. I'm still here. Wow. So we built we built at a slower rate, stayed within our means, uh, didn't overspend, kept the emergency budget in place for the tough times. So in that instance, I've succeeded. Any CEO's ultimate goal or any entrepreneur's ultimate goal is the finish line is the is the acquisition, sure. right? So um, if we get to a point. And any, and anybody that says their company's not for sale is uh, wrong. Someone shows up with a big enough check, it's going to get right. sold. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not saying my goal is to get sold or to be acquired um, because I also have to think about the creators that we're working with to make sure that they're not impacted with any third party that would come in and to acquire sure. us. But obviously, you know, at 53, I've got, uh, I've got a, you know, insight in my mind where I want to be for retirement an acquisition would help that out a little bit. I don't see myself leaving the space at all and, you know, and continue to work in the community. But, uh, yeah, we'd love to love to get this thing to the point where we were acquired and could cash in. Let's be honest. That's what it's all right, about. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, and if, if we don't, if we don't, I've got a fantastic business. We're paying salary. We've got stakeholders that are earning money on their investment. Um, so, you know, I guess that's where where we want to be. I don't know. I You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. Well, listen, Todd, I have to say thank you like a thousand times for giving us an opportunity just to to learn from you, uh, to hear from you as a not only a creator, but a creative and somebody who has built uh, a company and and running it in this world. I think one of the things that we don't do enough is appreciate people for uh, what they're doing. You are a pioneer. And at some point there's going to be some books and they're going to say, yeah, Todd, 
<laughs> I want to be like him right one day. And so thank you for what you've done in this space and serving podcasting. But more importantly, thank you for your service, uh, not only to this country and the sacrifices that you've made, some seen and some unseen. Um, it, it's it's a pleasure to, to to know you and a pleasure to work with you on this platform. And I'm just uh, really thankful that you are somebody that I have an opportunity to not only learn from, but to be able to also partner with through Blueberry as well. So thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope the audience got something out of it. And I guess if you if anyone has any questions for me. Uh, they can reach me at uh, Todd at Blueberry with no E, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com. If you're thinking about creating a podcast, come over and talk to us. We'd love to have you. Well, that's going to do it for another great episode of our show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Todd. Thank you for his vision many years ago, uh, not knowing that somebody like me and somebody like you as a listener would be here needing this in order to be able to continue to drive this conversation. Thank you to you for listening to our show and being a participant and not only just listening, but being an active participant and a few ways that you can continue to be an active participant this week based on what you heard. Maybe you want to share it. Maybe you want to be able to continue this conversation that you heard from Todd this week. Well, there's ways that you can do that. You can send me an email, chris at highlevelwisdom.com. You can go to our website, highlevelwisdom.com. Or if you're into social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at High Level Wisdom. Thank you guys so much for listening. I look forward to seeing you next week because next week is even more interesting because we're going to be talking to Andrew Sykes. Now, you might not know who Andrew is, but he's a very interesting person. He has a really great company. And more importantly, uh, he has a perspective for you that you are going to absolutely love. He has a company called Habits at Work. And you're going to learn why. I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.